Well, good morning, friends. Uh, grab your Bibles, and uh, we'll finish up this Friday. We're looking at Revelation, mainly verse chapter 1, verse 16, but we'll kind of go through 12, 16, just read that, because I don't think we can read it enough, right? Uh, we want to enjoy this blessing. So grab your Bible, your notebooks, and let me pray over us. Lord, I ask you to open our ears and enhance our understanding so we can grasp what you want to teach us and what we need to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I I pray that God is, is helping you. Um, because, you know, I'm not the greatest teacher, but the Holy Spirit is. So I pray that you're grasping things. You're not going to get everything uh, from this. You're not going to be an expert in the book of Revelation when we're done. But hopefully you'll just begin to see the blessing of the Lord in your lives as you take the time to read this. And I would encourage you to read the book of Revelation over this series just over and over again. And to just ask God to to reveal things to you, reveal himself to you, but also ask the Lord to bless you in the way that he wants to bless you. So take, take the handcuffs off him and the restraints off him and the boundaries off him and just say, God, however you want to bless me. And then just stand back and see what God will do. Well, let's read verses 12. Excuse me. Let's read our memory verse, verse 3. Um it says this, blessed is the one, we circled that, member singular, who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those, circle that, circle that, uh, the plural, who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. And again, that time is near. I believe the next um, prophetic um, outpouring or the next move on the prophetic calendar, if you will, would be the rapture of the church. That's me. I'm a, I'm a pre-tribber. You don't have to agree with me, um, but uh, I, I believe in the pre-trib rapture. I believe we're saved from, not through, the tribulation. <clears throat> now, let's read verses 12 through 16, and we'll look at verse 16. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Remember the Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 talks about the Son of Man in 81 different times in the New Testament. We see this title. It's Jesus' favorite, favorite title about himself. And now we notice what he's clothed like. He's clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool. They weren't white wool, but they were like it. Like snow. They weren't snow, but they were like it. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Like again. His feet were like burnished bronze. Refined in a furnace, and in his voice was like the roar of many waters. They would have understood this. The people of this time would have understood um, these references and these symbols. They would have understood this because the, most of them um, would have understood much of the Old Testament. Again, these are symbolic things back to the Old Testament. Remember, um, he touched our sin. He made it as white as wool or as white as the driven snow. White represents purity. They would have understood that. And holiness, uh, the flame of fire, they would have understood the flames in the candlesticks in the temple. They would have understood um the burnished bronze and uh, the refined in a furnace. I remember they were attacked multiple times by enemies and bronze was symbolic of really 
<clears throat> of of um, power and and uh, strength and um, and all of those things and the flame of fire, you know, that never ending flame around the throne of God and also back to the Old Testament, the flame of fire and the pillar of fire. So they would have understood much of this. And uh, his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And they would have understood the sword here. This was a double-edged sword that uh, the Roman Jews and the military used, and it would cut both ways. Um, his face was like the sun shining in full strength. So we see these verses here, and uh, we want to focus on 16 because we focused on the others this week. But 16 says, In his right hand... He held seven stars from his mouth, uh, came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining at full strength. In his right hand, they would have understood this because the right hand was the sig significant of power and significant of this holding power, um, uh, significant of importance being at the right hand. And now turn to John chapter 10, and we'll read a couple of verses here. Jesus speaking, John chapter 10, and... Uh, and verse 28 says this, he says, I give them eternal life. This is his sheep and they shall never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Here this um, picture being held by the father and by the son, the eternality of your relationship with God that he doesn't lose who are his and so they're held in his hand and so these this representation and and, and symbol in revelation 116 is of being held and what we're held in his hand were the seven stars and we'll look at those seven stars i believe that those seven stars represent um uh, what we see later is the seven angels but also i, I believe they represent the seven pastors because angels aren't held in the in the in the father of the son's hands where we are held and i believe this shows us that uh, they're representative of the pastors of the seven churches which were real churches real people real time real space real real um things that we can hold to then he turns to talking about the word of god and he talks about this sharp sword look at hebrews chapter four and it's the scripture that many of us have memorized hebrews chapter four verse twelve says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And this powerful picture of the word of God, they would have seen this multiple times in, in Revelation. Uh, we see this uh, mention of the sword and this two-edged sword, and it cuts and it heals, and it discerns and it knows the intents of the heart, and it's alive and it's active. Notice it's not a dead book. It's alive and active, and the Word of God here represents uh, the physical Word of God, but I also believe when we talk about the Word of God, we're talking about Jesus himself. Remember John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, why is this so important? Because the word of God is essential. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus uh, comes out of the water of baptism. Um, his father speaks and says he's pleased with him, and immediately he goes into, he's led by the Holy Spirit, by the way, not the Spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit leads him into temptation. 
um, um, as this first experience of being human. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, uh, he answers the devil, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does Jesus do? He doesn't come up with anything new here. He quotes the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, giving significance and importance and credence to the word of God. And he says the word of God um, is is what we need. We don't just live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We know that in the Old Testament, we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. In the Old Testament, that, that God spoke by his prophets, and he spoke in various ways. But we look here in verse uh, uh, chapter uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, different ways that God tried to get the attention of his people, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days. So Jesus tells us in these last days, it's the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. There's that word of God. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So the writer of Hebrews relates that God spoke to us, to the prophets, through the prophets and through various ways. But in these last days, he spoke to us. By his son, again, we go back to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was was with God, and the word was God. Nothing happened. Nothing was created that wasn't created by him. And then verse 14 says, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have, we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten son of the father. And this is the Jesus that we're being uh, introduced to now in his glorified state in the book of Revelation. Now, Let's talk about this Jesus some more. Let's go to Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, we talk about the eternality of Christ here in verse 8 when it says that um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not some flash in a pan. He just didn't come on the scene. He wasn't born that day. He was uh, in the beginning. Again, John 1, 1, he was in the beginning. He's always been and he always will be. Now, go back to Revelation chapter 1, and we're, we're concentrating on verse 16. And it says, um, In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was full like the sun, shining in full strength. And we talked about earlier these, these candlesticks, and we talked about the, 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 um, that he was holding in his right hand the stars, but also he was walking amongst the candlesticks. Now, look at... Revelation, or excuse me, uh, Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24, <clears throat> verses 1 through 4. Talking about these lamps. It says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil, which is a representative, by the way, of the Holy Spirit, from the beaten olives for the lamp, that a light might be kept burning regularly. Now look at the olives. And just bring up something here. Jesus was in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is the um, the Garden of the Olive Press, and he was pressed, and he was shaken, he was beaten down um, emotionally in this garden, which is the way to get that pure pure olive oil uh, for the lamp, and the and the oil was for the lamp that the light may be kept burning regularly. Now look who's in charge of the lamps outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange 
uh, from it evening to morning before, arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It should be a statute forever throughout your generation. So it wouldn't just be back in the time of Leviticus. It would be all the way through Revelation that the whole uh, the high priest would be in charge of the lampstands. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. Whose job was it? It was the job of the high priest. And who is our high priest, uh, the final high priest? It is Jesus Christ. So it's no um, accident that John is mentioning this in this revelation that he walks amongst the lampstands and he's with us. And that should give us great uh, peace today, that Jesus walks amongst us and he holds the stars of the pastors in his right hand. And um, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And what is the purpose of the lampstands and the light and the lights and the oil? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 through 16. Jesus speaking says, You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And what is causing this light? The good works that we do because we're believers. And so there is a purpose for good works. We're salt and light in this verse, uh, these verses. And Jesus walks and trims the lampstands. He works in our life and he trims our lampstands so that we would give out light. Now, Go back to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to co uh, complete these few verses with just a little wrap-up for the week. Um, and you can look these verses up. You can write these down. In verse 13, we see Christ in his priestly uh, garments. I believe these garments speak of his his uh, priest priesthood, but it also speaks of where he is. Remember, he's in the middle of the lampstands, and where would the high priest be? He would be in the middle of the lampstands, trimming the lights and making sure they're giving off light. Number four, or verse fourteen talks about how profound and how how wise he is. It talks about the white, and it talks about. Um, um, his 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 hair looking like wool and and uh, his eyes being powerful he's profound he's he's powerful he's wise he's all knowing um he's all seeing uh, verse 15 talks about his permanence his feet are like burnished bronze refined in a fire talks about the power but also talks about the permanence um in verse 15 he is a powerful lord and savior he's a powerful high priest and he's a permanent high priest uh, verse 16 says he holds us in his right hand or holds the stars in his right hand, which means he also holds us. John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. So he's powerful. He's protective. And verse 16 talks about how his face shines like the sun in full strength. He is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. And he is praiseworthy. So he's priestly. He's profound. He's permanent. He's powerful. He's protective. He's perfect. He's praiseworthy. Remember, when we're looking at the book of Revelation, we're looking at um, the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. We'll get into other aspects of the book of Revelation, but all of it flows from the fact that we're getting a firsthand look of the glorified Jesus Christ, our priest, our high priest, our Savior, and our Lord. So let me close this Friday with prayer. And I hope you're enjoying this study.
and uh, I'm enjoying bringing it to you. Uh, again, the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher, so ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and to open and to reveal these things to you. And on your own, just be reading the book of Revelation, asking God to make it clear to you, but also asking God for the blessing that comes with reading it and hearing it. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again.